Bibles to Romans chapter 10. I want to read verse 11 to 17 as we think about the subject of missions with our missionary brother Jones here. We're moving into the month of February before we get our missions commitment. And we have a couple more missionaries to be with us in the month of February as well. But we're looking forward to what God's going to do for this year for each of us as we get involved and stay involved in missions. Let me ask you to take your Bible to Romans chapter 10, verse 11 to 17. Let's stand together once again. If you're able, you're, you're, you're tough and you can do it. Uh, one extra turn to stand and that's okay. Uh, but uh, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 11 to verse 17, if you'd follow along with me there. Verse 11 to verse 17 in Romans chapter 10. For the scripture saith... Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There is no difference between a Jew and a Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For as Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Father, we ask that you would bless the word as we consider these truths that we have before us tonight concerning our responsibility in the field of missions. We pray that you'd bless, uh, Lord, as each of us considers our part and what our, our uh, response will be to your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you go ahead and take a seat there. When we speak of missions, you know, we are, we are speaking of the local, biblically sound churches being obedient to the command of God for what our purpose is, to get the gospel to the world. And as Brother Jones mentioned, the churches are to be responsible for reproducing churches. Things produce, reproduce after their kind. And so churches don't get started just by somebody, you know, on their own, going somewhere on their own and doing something on their own. Churches get started, biblically get started by being having someone sent out of that church and supported and then going and establishing another church under the auspices and the blessing of the church that they're sent from. And so churches reproducing churches. But it's God's heart that all men be saved. God desires for everyone to be saved. Not everyone is, and a good, a good portion of people are not. But God's desire is that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth. He says that in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. He says, who will have all men to be saved. The will of God, the desire of God's heart, is that all men be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, we see it again. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what God would like to see now, God knows the end from the beginning, and God is the author of time. So God has the foreknowledge to know all who are saved and all who will reject Him. He already knows that. And based on that foreknowledge uh, comes the uh, other areas uh, the, uh, that the book of Romans talks uh, to us about, that, that uh, providence of God and that uh, 
the uh, doctrine of election, that's all tied together with God's foreknowledge. Uh, the elect become elect by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And God knows who will believe on Him. And so we thank the Lord that it's, uh, that it's uh, in the great purposes of God that uh, we're saved, but we thank God that He desires that all men be saved and has given all men that opportunity. So um, the work of the church, the work of missions, is getting that truth to uh, an unbelieving, uh, unsaved world. It is our opportunity, and it is a great opportunity that we have before us here. The gospel is not tailored to a select few. It's not tailored to a couple chosen nations. It's not something that's just given to the uh, nations like America and England and the uh, and, uh, and the blessings of God on Israel and so forth. God, hasn't, God is no respecter of persons. And so he says it this way. He says, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Uh, uh, he desires that all men come to Christ. And thank God for his uh, desire. And that ought to be our desire as well. As we read it in verse 11 through 13, that's exactly what God is saying. I put no difference. I'm Lord over all and rich to all that call upon me. He's responsive to all who call. His mercy and grace is enough for whosoever will. There's not a limitation. Uh, there's not a number of people at which God says there's no more grace, no more mercy available. I'm stopping at this line. That is not the case. And thank the Lord that whosoever will may come. Tonight, maybe you're among that crowd of those that uh, have not responded to the call, I want to tell you that he's a lot more willing to see you saved than you are willing to be saved. And all it takes is for you to respond to his truth that you are a sinner and you're hell-bound and that he has paid the penalty and the price for your sins and that if you will receive him, he will receive you. If you'll trust him, he'll save you. So tonight, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ, Yet, and you're not among the whosoever, I want you to put your name in that space and put your name there and claim what God would give to you. But, the, but there's a great problem here. We see it in verse 14 and verse 15. We read it there. It's not a problem of a lack of power because he has all power. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And so it's not a lack of power. It's not a lack of power in the Word of God because the Word of God is the power of Christ. And so it's not a lack of power in the gospel. The gospel will save whosoever will. The response to the gospel will save whosoever will. So it's not a lack of power. And it's not a lack of hearing ears. It's not a lack of people willing to listen to the gospel. They're there. And they desire, they desire uh, many people are there desiring to know the truth that will make them free. So it's not a lack of willing ears. In fact, the Lord Jesus said it that way. He said, the fields are white unto harvest. But the problem is this. He said, the laborers are few. So the problem doesn't exist on the hearer's side. It exists on the teller's side. The laborers are few. And that's the challenge that I want to give to you tonight in the time we have uh, it's a lack, not in power, not in hearing ears, but in preachers. There's a lack of preachers. 
those that are willing to preach the word, those that are willing to give the word to those that need the word. There's a lack of preachers. He said, how shall they hear except someone come and preach it to them? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach? Here's the other lack. How shall they preach except they be sent? And so the lacking areas are the preachers that will go and the senders that will send. That's where the lack is. And so tonight we have that opportunity. You, you have two choices and uh, you need to determine what the Holy Spirit of God wants you to do. You have the choice of being one of the preachers and being sent, being one of those that are sent to the uh, regions of the world, the, uh, the uh, distant places, the close places. You have the choice of being that mouthpiece for the willing ears or uh, if God does not uh, grant you the opportunity, does not lead you to do that, then you are to be on the other end. All of us that aren't going must be sending. And so we have that opportunity as well. We here in America are so blessed. We have so much. We're so abundantly blessed with all that we could ask or think. Uh, we're so much more wealthy. The poor of, poorest of us is so much more wealthy than most of the population of the world. And we have so much more than we really, really need. Uh, we, uh, most of what we have falls over into the category of stuff we have and enjoy but don't really need. And so... Uh, you know, you really don't need that 80-inch television. Uh, your 65-inch will do just fine. You know, you can suffer through with that one another year uh, and give the difference to missions, you know. Uh, but what I'm saying is we have much more than we really need, don't we? And we all could be doing a whole lot more than we are in sending that uh, truth to the, to the world. If we're not going to go, we've got to be sending. And so I want to challenge you to be among those that commit yourself to, to uh, being a sender if you're not one who's going to go. How are they going to preach? How are they going to hear? How are they going to get there unless they be sent? The gospel has still not reached multitudes of people. I'm reading some statistics from a recent uh, group that is a research group called the Joshua Project Research Group. They keep track of uh, people, groups, and how the gospel is getting to them. Brother John works with an organization that's uh, based here in, in this area uh, that, uh, tr that takes um, uh, these, these small forgotten people groups and puts the basics of the gospel into their language and gets recordings together to send those into these places where that no one's going, send them into these places where they can at least hear the basics of the gospel, the beginning, the starting, the, the starting steps, the, the first steps. And, and uh, Brother John tells me that they're on the last set. I mean, it's, going, it's still going to be thousands of them, but it's, they're on the last set of people groups that they're uh, translating the gospel into and getting it to them. And thank God for uh, that ministry called Gospel Recordings uh, that's, uh, that's doing the very basic things. Of course, they're not giving them Bibles. They're not giving them complete... Uh, copies of the New Testament, but they are getting the essentials of the gospel uh, in recorded form to places that uh, no one is going. So I uh, thank God for that. Those kinds of things are, are a drop in the bucket compares to what needs to happen. The world population is at 7.67 billion people. And in that population of people, the Joshua Project reports that there are 17,000 297 
different people groups. That is, groups of people that have a language that needs the Bible translated into that language so that it, they can understand it. There's 17,297 of those people groups. And as you understand, of course, some of, that, some of, that, some of those groups are overlapping. Some of those groups could uh, understand and make out the languages of similar uh, people groups that are near them. But there are distinctively... Uh, they've distinctively counted 17,297 people groups. And of that number, there's still 7,367 of those people groups that have no, none of the gospel whatsoever has ever been given to them. That's 43% of the world has never heard uh, any kind of presentation in their own language uh, of the gospel. And so uh, there's a great need there. As we as we here are speaking about the second coming, half the world has never heard of the first coming of Jesus Christ. And so we've got a great task before us. And there needs to be laborers to go. So God said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. So that's what we've been doing. We're not called to build a mega church and have the biggest uh, crowd in the country. You know, we're just not called that. There's something very, very, uh, you know, uh, very questionable about just getting and keeping and getting and keeping and not sending people out into the, into the world. So, so uh, uh, when you see it in the scriptures, you see the church in the scriptures, the only mega church in the scriptures was the one at Jerusalem. And they got busted up pretty quick by the Lord because they were hanging out together and enjoying you know, the, the camaraderie and the fellowship and the thousands there gathered in the different places and meeting and having the potlucks and all of that stuff and leaving the world go to hell, you know. And God said that ain't going to happen. And so the only mega church in the Bible got busted up, you know. The church at Corinth was probably 200, 250 people uh, there in, this, in the uh, population of Corinth. And the church at Antioch, probably two, 300 people there at any given time because they couldn't keep a crowd. They were sending them out, sending them out, sending them out, you know. They were training and going and preaching, and that's the call that a church has, you know. We're not to get them and keep them. We're to get them and train them and send them. And so thank God for the uh, Bible colleges that we are participating with and, and are, uh, are helping to support because they're training and, and preparing missionaries to go to the fields that uh, they need to. They need some training. They need some uh, concentration in training. You know, it's just like uh, uh, you join the U.S. Army and they don't just send you to Afghanistan the day after you sign the papers. <laughs> they take you and they do some training with you and they spend some time with you. And those that co have concentrations in the areas you need to learn uh, are able to train you. And then you're prepared to go and you're sent prepared and ready and armed and and uh, having the ability to uh, uh, to be the soldier that you need to be. It is the same in the Lord's army. We have uh, opportunities to send those laborers to train and prepare and be ready to go. Thank God for many that have uh, over the years come out of our congregation and and prepared themselves for the ministry and some that are now in the ministry and others that are on the way to the ministry. Thank God for that. Uh, we're blessed to have Brother Kyle with us for a while. His eventual goal is a missionary to Poland. He needs a wife. So any of you women uh, available, uh, Brother Kyle is ready. So, uh, yeah, amen. Amen. So uh, 
uh, one way or another, he's going to go. He's going to get there eventually, but we thank God we can spend a little time with him and have some time for him to be here. In the meantime, he's gone to the basic training. He's got the, the basics down. He's graduated from Bible college, and now comes the opportunity to prepare and, and uh, to uh, work out the other details that are necessary for him to get to that place uh, in God's time uh, on the mission field. And others of our church family, I thank God for my own pastor. I mentioned in the bulletin this morning that uh, we were gathered back together for his funeral. And hundreds of us stood when, he, when one of the speakers asked that those that were saved and, and sent into the ministry out of New Testament Baptist Church in Tucson to stand. There was, uh, there was over a thousand people there at the uh, funeral, but uh, hundreds of us stood and said, yeah, God saved us here and sent us into the uh, field there. Pastor Joyner probably could have had a church that ran two, 3,000 if he'd kept us all there, but he kept sending us out. The year I went to Bible college, there were 35 other young people that went out of the New Testament Baptist Church to go to Bible college, train for ministry, just that one year. Uh, and so it happened time after time again, and, and God has uh, blessed and, and multiplied that ministry around the world now. And I thank God for that because Brother Joyner and the New Testament Baptist Church congregation, they understood what their purpose was. It wasn't to build a mega church. It wasn't just to have a nice place to go for fellowship meetings and, and potlucks and get-togethers and, uh, you know, counseling sessions and that. They knew it. Their mission was to reach the world and have given several millions of dollars to missions, uh, to support missions and missionaries around the world over all these years. One of the uh, highest givers, I was on the board at, uh, I uh, spent uh, many years on the board of Heartland Baptist Bible College and so was uh, I was apprised as one of the board members of the giving of the different churches uh, to the uh, support of the Bible College. And uh, Brother Joyner was always, his church was always one of the top givers to the support of the Bible College, the training of uh, young people for the work of the ministry. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars given yearly uh, to, the, uh, to the work of, uh, of training young people out of that one church. And thank God for those that get that. So that's really what we're about. When we raise an offering for our church planters, and Ryan and I will be taking that this uh, week to Heartland Baptist Bible College, we'll meet uh, 75 or 80 church planters, and we'll be distributing that, which you gave in the Christmas offering. We'll be distributing that to these church planters so that they can go out and uh, reproduce what God has uh, uh, built into their lives in the churches they've been serving in as they grew up. And thank God for that opportunity. But it's, it's not us. It's, it's us giving what you gave, what you and I gave. It's us giving that uh, out. That's our purpose as a church. That's why God's let us stay around here. That's why God's let us have the blessings that he's let us have because we, at least to some degree, get it. We understand that, you know, we're not here and this, this stuff is not just for us to enjoy for ourselves, but it is for a greater purpose. So we have that. We need that. We need to understand that uh, the harvest is there. It's just getting the laborers to the harvest where the need is. The laborers are few. Along with the declines in the number of churches across the American spectrum, there's, a, there's an evident decline in the number of uh, missionaries being sent out as well. As uh, America loses its interest in uh, you know, the preservation of the gospel and the presentation of the gospel and the importance of God's people gathering together in God's house on God's day, as that becomes less and less important and churches, uh, one after another, by the dozens, by the hundreds, by the thousands, every year begin now to close their doors, of course, follows the fact that uh, 
that many less missionaries are going to the field. But our priority is as is seen in uh, Romans 10 and verse 15, the second part. He says there, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. He's saying it's just something beautiful about that person who's willing to step out with the gospel and go. Something beautiful about his feet. I don't really want to see Brother Jones's feet. I think they're probably flat. He's got them Indian feet. They're flat feet, you know. Um, and so uh, I don't want to see his feet, but God says they're beautiful, you know. And so if God says they're beautiful, they are, brother. I've got to agree with that. And uh, whenever you step out with the gospel, whenever you step out to take a gospel tract out to give it to someone and invite them to church, your feet become beautiful in the eyes of God. And so how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace and bring the glad tidings of good things. That's what our missionaries are doing. And there are interested hearers. There are those that want to hear what the missionary has to say. It's exciting to see where in the fields where the, where the, uh, uh, the harvest is white. It's exciting to see and to read of what's happening in those places. There is a Christian radio ministry that's set up by one of our fundamental Baptist brethren uh, out of uh, Michigan. And uh, they're working around the world. They've gotten a, a lot of engineers and uh, committed Christians involved in this. And they're setting up radio stations to get the gospel out into places where no missionary is allowed. And they're having marvelous success uh, in response to the gospel in places like Iraq and Iran, where hundreds and hundreds are turning to Christ through this presentation of the gospel and so uh, by, by radio. And so it's exciting to see that, yes, the, the fields are white under harvest. It's getting people there and getting people involved in that that we need to see. Everyone needs to be involved in getting boots on the ground, so to speak, you know. That's what he says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. That's what he's saying there is we got to get boots on the ground, you know. There, there's no gospel drone strikes, you know. You can't send the gospel drone in there and have it shoot people and get them saved, you know. So thank God we took out Suleimani or whatever the boy's name is over there that was uh, the uh, general that was the head of terror and so forth. And thank God we took him out there. But we don't have a gospel drone that can do the same and, and substitute us and keep us at home where we can send the gospel drone out and it'll do our work for us. We need boots on the ground in the case of the gospel. And so he says, beautiful feet. Beautiful feet, getting the boots on the ground. Everyone involved in one way or another, everyone can invest. If you're not going to be one of those that puts the boots on the ground with the gospel, then be one of those that's investing. And there's no better investment that you can make. I thank the Lord how He's always taken care of us from the time I was saved and began to understand the importance of giving to missions and began to practice missions given, giving. Uh, many years ago, 40 years ago, I've thanked the Lord that over the years as we have given, my wife and I have given to the cause of missions on a regular, consistent basis that He's always met our needs. He's always met our needs. I've never been unemployed. I've never had to, uh, to draw welfare or food stamps. I've never had to ask for a raise. I've never had to uh, go without. You know, we've, ate, we've eaten beans a few times and... Uh, bag of rice that made it last a while a few times and we've been without a car uh, a little bit sometimes and uh, we've had you know less than you know the the American dream a few times but 
by the grace of God, we've never been to the place where we've uh, been reduced to begging bread. And uh, I know that that's because that God blesses his people as we give and recognize the benefit that comes back to us. It certainly is a great one. We can't ever outgive the Lord. So as you're praying about missions, as you're praying about giving, uh, don't think of it in terms of what can I afford. Think of it in terms of what will God, what does God want me to do uh, in the area of giving. We'll be making a commitment in the month of February, and we'll be asking you, between you and God, to write down uh, an amount that uh, you commit yourself to give weekly or monthly, and uh, to do that for a year. We'll be asking you to do that. We're not going to have you put your name on it. We're not going to call you. We're not going to dun you. We're not going to put it on your bill and send you a bill for it. It's between you and God. And if you keep it, fine. If you don't, take it up with God. So in the meantime, be praying. Be praying that God would guide you on that thing and make it clear to you. A little poem here as we close. I read a stat that for uh, every 50 missionaries uh, that uh, retire, return from the field for whatever reason, there's only five missionaries now that are taking the place of those 50. So that's one missionary back for every 10 that comes off the field. And so there's this little poem, 10 Little missionaries willing to go. One fell out because mama said no. Nine little missionaries who want to go and train. One chose comfort so at home he would remain. Eight little missionaries making ready for the field. One chose wealth and his future it was sealed. Seven little missionaries burdened for the loss. One backed down when he counted up the cost. Six little missionaries answering God's call. One struck out because he wanted to play ball. Five little missionaries left to face the task. One walked away as his faith was just a mask. Four little missionaries starting on their way. One sits down, says, I'll go some other day. Now three little missionaries with a great deal to do. But one gives up, and now there's just two. Two little missionaries, as Satan's darts are hurled, one departs like Demas, having loved this present world. One little missionary standing there alone. Will you join him, send him, or will there be none? Let's stand together and give an invitation. If God has uh, impressed upon your heart to surrender yourself to go or to, uh, to commit yourself to a greater Involvement in missions, I want to encourage you to respond and let the Lord know it.